0: For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za. Well, good evening. Continue our series through the, the one another commands uh, this evening. And um, Today we're looking at uh, building Christians or building and encouraging one another. Uh, So we're sort of covering two one another statements, building one another up and encouraging one another up. I thought it would be a little bit redundant to to split them because they're so closely aligned, the importance of building up one another, encouraging one another. Uh, If you've been here, you'll know that a few weeks ago we did uh, admonishing one another from Romans chapter 15, so that was confronting one another, correcting one another, but if, all, if that was all the communication in the Christian faith, it wouldn't be very nice, would it? Uh, if the only time other, other believers ever spoke to you was to admonish you and to correct you, it, it could become uh, quite tiring and you would become afraid to come to church or to see another Christian. Uh, so, fortunately, that's not all there is to our communication with one another. There is also encouraging one another and building one another up, and so very, very important. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn to First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. It's just before Second Thessalonians. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 9. Paul says this, he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful statement there, that God has appointed his children not to judgment, but to salvation. Who died for us, verse 10, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And look at what he says in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So some context, uh, the church at Thessalonica had uh, been experiencing some uh, difficulties with respect to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the... There was a, an expectation that Christ could come at any time, that his coming would, might well be imminent, his second coming. And so some people in the church uh, were really, obviously, all believers were looking forward to that, the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it seems that uh, some of them had even stopped working. Okay? Some of them had left their jobs because they said, what's the point of working because the Lord's coming soon? And um, Paul has to deal with that. He says, you know, if a man doesn't work, he mustn't eat. Okay, so he says, no, 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 that's not the right response. Uh, you can't say, well, the Lord's coming soon. Everything else is a waste of time, so I'm just going to wait until he, he returns. No, we must be, we must carry on living. I think they asked Wesley, you know, what would you change if you knew the Lord was coming tomorrow? And he said, nothing. Okay, That's how we should live. If we knew that the Lord was coming tomorrow, nothing would would change. One of the other problems that began to happen is the longer they carried on living and the Lord hadn't returned, people in the congregation began to die. And uh, they were now concerned, what's happened to these people who've died because the Lord hasn't returned and now they're they're dead. What's going to happen to them? Have they missed out now? We love these people. Uh, And so they were afraid. And so Paul has to say, calm down, calm down, don't worry. Uh, And you notice there, even in our passage, he says whether we are awake or asleep. He's not talking about, you know, if if the Lord comes when you're asleep at night, in bed, or if you're working during the day. He's talking about those who have died. It's a euphemism for death. Uh, Very interesting that the scripture talks about believers when they die as falling asleep. It's beautiful. Uh, Even Stephen, who has been stoned to death, you can think of a more vicious and uh, violent death the scripture says he fell asleep okay but no interestingly the writer of hebrews says when jesus died it says that he died Uh, he was truly separated from his father from all the gracious attributes he tasted death he tasted separation he tasted hell for us so that we can simply fall asleep Uh, and so Paul Paul is encouraging them and saying, look, don't worry. If you die, you don't miss out. You go to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Uh, And then you're going to wait there until you receive your glorified body at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he he then says, uh, look, we need to encourage one another and build each other up as they were already doing. And so there are the one another commands, to encourage one another and to build one another up. So this was a church that had these fears and concerns, And every church has that. Every Christian has that. Uh, If you're living in this world, you're going to have fears and concerns and difficulties and trials and tribulations. And so we need encouragement. We need to be built up. And so let's look at the first one, uh, to encourage. Uh, The the Greek word is a well-known word, uh, parakaleo, where we get the word paraclete. Okay, so maybe you've even heard that term. It's a term that's used to describe the Holy Spirit, the paraclete from John's Gospel. Uh, It means one who comes alongside. It has many meanings. It's very, very broad meaning. Uh, So here it's translated as to encourage. It can mean to comfort. But uh, you get the idea from the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we are doing this, uh, it's a wonderful thing. We are, we are, in some sense, imitating the Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit is in us and is comforting us and pointing us to Christ, so we are to do that to one another. Uh, we are to come alongside one another. Uh, we are to encourage one another. Um, it is, it is uh, a word that in, in, in ancient Greek literature was very common um, and the idea was that you had to if someone is going through a difficult time and it's very applicable to us so if someone was sick if someone had lost a loved one if someone had experienced some sort of uh, terrible event in their life uh, you were to come alongside them so either to visit them or uh, there was a lot written about writing letters of encouragement Two people going through difficult times. So uh, it's really a one-for-one for, one for the Christian experience. Isn't that right? So as you see people in the church going through difficult times, uh, we are to come alongside them and to encourage them, uh, To maybe to visit them, maybe to send them a message, maybe to care for them with uh, physical needs, as we heard this morning, to be generous to God's people. Whatever it is, We are to be intensely practical in our care for one another. We are to encourage one another. Uh, And I think a helpful analogy is is one of running. Because the Bible talks about the Christian life as as a marathon, doesn't it? To run the race, to endure to the end. Uh, You don't find the language of a sprint in the scriptures. It's a a marathon. Okay? It's a long-distance marathon. Uh, when you're a young Christian, you might think, this is you know, I just want to serve the Lord, and it's great, and you go to youth camps, and you're encouraged and excited, and you're like, I just want to get married, and we're going to serve the Lord, and, and that's it. And you just sort of imagine it's like that. But as you get older, you realize it is a marathon. Okay, uh, Things don't always work out exactly as you had hoped or planned, uh, and you have to keep going, just as when you run long distances. Okay? Um, i haven 't but i 've seen it on TV <laughs> yeah? I saw a meme that said i 've never seen anyone run and smile at the same time, which tells me all I need to know about running okay? uh, now it was quite something there were people some people in the church who recently ran the comrades Marathon and other people that that, that I know and uh, I saw i don't know sponsor here, but I saw some of the whatsapp statuses and uh, how he was saying at really difficult times, he was so grateful for his family, for Lorato being there, to encourage him. Uh, And uh, I heard about the New York Times even wrote an article for... There's a famous marathon in New York, in New York City, the New York Marathon. And the New York Times wrote an article about the best place to stand to encourage your friend or loved one as they run the race. And there were certain places... You can imagine, on a steep hill, um, pretty close to the end, but you can't yet see the end. Those periods where your muscles are aching, everything within you is telling you to give up. And so they said those are places where you should stand to encourage and help, help your friend or loved one get through. And that's a beautiful analogy of the Christian life. That we need that. We need one another. God has saved us in community because none of us is Jesus Christ. We need one another. We need to be encouraged. Uh, But, of course, it also means you need to have your eyes open. You need to know what's going on in other people's life, not everyone's life. We're not talking about being a nosy Parker or something like that, but legitimately caring for people and coming alongside them when they are going through difficult times. It also means you must be honest when you are going through a difficult time. Many of us, again, think that it's, it's somehow honorable to be a Stoic, to, to never admit that you're having a difficult time, especially if you're an older Christian or a more mature Christian. You think, well, that's, you know, that's not for me to do. I'm a deacon or a pastor or I've been saved for many years. I'm an older Christian. I, uh, I'm just here to serve others. Nobody must ever help me. Well, no, that's unbiblical. Uh, Paul needed encouragement, didn't he? Uh, Paul got discouraged, and then he was grateful for the encouragement he received. And so we must communicate when there are legitimate needs, when we say, well, I'm just having a difficult time. I am discouraged. Uh, I, I'm feeling down uh, this, this battle with sin or just you know, another operation that I have to go through, whatever it is, so that we can, we can care and encourage one another. Um, if you just look down a few verses, if you have your Bible still open in 1 Thessalonians 5, Look at verse 14. Paul says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. I try to, this is one of my pastoral life verses, if I can put it that way. Uh, Notice the the different aspects. You're not going to to go into detail on all of them, obviously. But admonish the idle. So there's that, the lazy. It may well have been idle and lazy because they're saying, the Lord's coming soon, so we're not going to do anything, we're just going to wait. Um, well, admonish them. But then there are other categories of people. There are the faint-hearted, there are the weak. And the the those in ministry, it's true for all of us, but especially those in ministry, are to be patient with everyone. Uh, not to become frustrated and impatient. Not, as James says, not thinking that the wrath of man will work the righteousness of God, not thinking that I'll just get a bit angry and that'll fix things. James says it doesn't actually fix anything. It's to be patient with everyone. But he says to encourage the faint-hearted. That's the idea. Lo Nida in their lexicon, they say, what this word means is pertaining to having limited or diminished motivation for the attainment of some goal. So faint-hearted means having limited or diminished motivation for the attainment of some goal. Have you ever felt like that? Ever felt like I can't carry on anymore? I can't just carry on uh, coming to church. I can't carry. I, I can't pray today. I don't have the motivation. I just feel. Literally, in the Greek, if you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixture of words. It means little life, little life. You ever felt like that? You have little life left in you. <laughs> little life. Faint-hearted. Okay. Discouraged. Uh, it's it's overwhelming. It seems. Every phone call that you're getting is bad news, uh, and you feel that that you just you don't have the desire or the energy to carry on. Well, what what are, are those in ministry and all of God's children to do? Well, we are to encourage to encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage is a good a good word in the English because what we need is courage, isn't that right? To keep running. You read those, or watch those movies, read those books about people who go for SAS training or Navy SEALs to make it. Uh, they, you need courage to push through. And it's the same with the Christian life. We need to encourage, to, to provoke one another, to courage, to, to carry on. And we'll go into more detail of what that looks like as we look at the second one. Before I get to build up, I just want to give an example, and I've used it before, but I love it so much because to me it's the ideal of friendship, On a uh, apart from the friendship of Christ, but it points us to that. It's, it's the account of David and Jonathan. And David is being persecuted by Saul. He is... Um, he's become persona non grata. He is on the run. He's living off the land. He's hiding in caves. This is the man who's been anointed to be king. He must be thinking, what on earth is going on? I'm, I'm being hunted like a dog. And Jonathan comes and finds him. Remember, Jonathan is Saul's own son. So what a commitment to the Lord. He even says to jo- to David, he says, David, you will be king. Uh, Jonathan's not interested in, in keeping the dynasty going for fighting for his own kingship he submits to the lord's plan and he's there's no bitterness or anything like that but he comes along and first samuel twenty-three sixteen says this then saul's son jonathan came to david in haresh and encouraged him in the lord encouraged him in the lord that's what a true friend does encourages someone in the lord You can give encouragement on other levels. You can say, no, no, you're great. You're great at this. You're really good at this. You're a wonderful person. (laughs) You're amazing, whatever. Uh, But you know at times that's a load of rubbish. Uh, You know, We're not so amazing. Uh, We have a lot of sin, and we do fail at things. God has given us natural abilities, definitely, and we must not despise that. But it's to encourage people in the Lord. That's the difference between just this is a pep talk, this is an inspirational, motivational talk, we encourage one another. No, we encourage one another in the Lord. That there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That there is there are promises in God's word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Whatever you're going through, Jesus Christ is there with you. As you run the race, he is right there with you. And at times, even carrying us. Okay, uh, he, he's, he will never leave us. And so to bring to bear the promises of God... To encourage one another in the Lord. To point one another to the Lord. And so that's what we are we to do. To encourage one another and then to also build up one another. Build up one another. Uh, this Greek word, uh, again, a very common word, not just in Scripture, but in, in the Greco-Roman world. It's the word that is used for building houses and temples. Okay? So, of course, that's, it's in the construction industry. And you know the Romans, they loved their construction. So this is a common word, building stuff, building things. And so Paul, Paul also loves this word. It's all over the place in Paul's writing, to build one another up. And the theme of building is, again, a, a theme throughout Scripture, a rich theme that, that uh, I want you to try and see more often as you read the Bible. So think of the Old Testament. The great building of the Old Testament was the, the temple. Building the temple. And you can go and read uh, the plans and the details and gathering all the precious stones and the, the cedars of Lebanon and quarrying the, the massive stones and the skilled artisans who crafted all these things and uh, made, made sort of Engravings of palm trees and pomegranates and all of these things. So much detail, so much of the Old Testament is spent building the temple and then rebuilding the temple after the, the exile. And the idea there is that the temple is a picture of the people of God. That's what we are to learn from that. We are precious. Peter will say, 1 Peter 2.4, as you come to him, a living stone, that's talking about Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, it's the same word, as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to talk quote from the Old Testament about Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. The one who sets the angles and gets the building right. And then we are living stones, part of that building. Precious stones. Uh, stones that Jesus Christ laid down his life for. And so when we come to the New Testament, the New Testament writers, and even the Lord Jesus himself pick up on this this theme, and i uh, just going to throw in something controversial quickly. Uh, I've said it before, but... Uh, uh, there is, and I'm, I'm fully persuaded, there is strong evidence that, you know, we all think Jesus was a carpenter. Uh, but the Greek word that is used fits much better with a stonemason. Okay. And in fact, when you go to those areas, there's no forests there, but there, we know where Jesus was in Capernaum and that area. There was a lot of uh, stonemasonry going on, and it fits with the theme of the Bible, that Jesus knew how to build buildings, and uh, he's the master builder. Who builds the Church of Jesus Christ. It's not a hill to die on if you disagree, keep it to yourself. <laughs> but you can go and Google it and you'll see it fits better with the whole teaching of Scripture, I believe, and that He of course is taking us. Can you see He's the master builder? And He takes you. It's not it's not just chance that, that we're placed together here. Isn't that amazing? God knows with gifts and abilities and all of the things that each church needs. And so he says, I'm going to put this stone here and this stone here and this stone here. I'm going to bring this stone back <laughs> and, uh, from Cape Town and put it here <laughs> and Pretoria, bring it back. and uh, It's beautiful. He knows what he's doing. Uh, the school that I went to was made out of stone. Stone is not easy. It's not like bricks. Stone has to, guys had to sit there and chip away with chisels and break it. Now that's what the Lord does to us and it's painful, isn't it? cuts off bits you're not fitting properly you're rubbing up that other person the wrong way i need to get rid of that sharp edge on you Uh, and he does that and he's chiseling away and making us beautiful and polishing us and that's sanctification and he puts us in the right spot and then we're thinking but not next to this stone please lord Uh, (laughs) And he says no this is the stone you need to be next to it's going to be a beautiful building when i'm finished he's building He's building his church. And he says that to Peter in Matthew 16. He says, I, on this rock, I will build my church. The same word. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it, will not come against it. He will build his church. There is nothing, nothing from heaven or earth that can stop him from building his church. And then you and I are to, be to have the privilege of being part of that. And we've already seen in Acts chapter 9, remember when the church had peace, Says this: the, the the church had peace and was being built up, okay, built up. Different layers being built up, maybe extra stories. That's sort of the idea, the analogy that you need to get. Um, and then Acts twenty verse thirty-two, when Paul is is uh, coming to the Ephesian elders, and he says, "Look, I you won't see my face again." He knows that he's going to go and probably will die, and they're weeping, they're crying. And he says this to them, he says, and now, verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, to the scriptures, which are able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How do we build one another up? Through the scriptures. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying to, as he leaves them, he says, look, I'm going to commend you to the scriptures which are able to build you up. That's how we build one another up. As we bring God's word to bear in one another's lives. We, as we saw with Jonathan, we encourage one another in the Lord. And so the Lord Jesus, uh, you can see this in the Gospels, how He, everything he said really was, was biblical, was scripture, wasn't it? Uh, and it referenced the Old Testament. And that's how he strengthened his disciples. And when they were discouraged and they were downcast... They didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he encouraged them, gave them promises. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Always in encouraging them to persevere, to continue, not to, not to give up. Now, Jesus is the one who is forsaken. There was no one to encourage him, isn't that right? On the day of his crucifixion. His own disciples, the ones that he had just a few hours before been thinking about and protecting and encouraging, when they came to arrest him and, and Peter cuts off the guy's ear and the Lord steps in and says, no, no, take me, leave them. Okay? Uh, leave them alone. Take me instead. Okay? Uh, he's, he's given them all these things, but they forsake him. Like sheep without a shepherd, they're scattered People are mocking him. Nobody's standing up for him. if If you're the Messiah, come down from there. They mock him, they spit upon him, forsaken. And then even, as we know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his humanity, forsaken by the Father, experiencing the wrath of God. No one to encourage him, no one to build him up. So that, if you're a child of God, you and I will never experience that. We have brothers and sisters who encourage us and build us up. We have the word of God, promises of God's word to encourage us and to build us up. We have the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us, though, to to be a people who do encourage one another, who do build one another up. Amen. Let's, Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your Holy Spirit and for your son, the Lord Jesus, for the scriptures and for the church, for brothers and sisters. Uh, We thank you so much for brothers and sisters who um, maybe not even realizing what's happening, but just sending a message of encouragement and not realizing what they have done when we're in a place of darkness and hopelessness, just that message, just that prayer has uh, has given us strength to keep running. Just a hug, just a letter, just a, a word, uh, and to be encouraged in the Lord. What an incredible thing, Lord. We don't always realize how powerful it is, but we do ask that we would be a church, a community that is is quick to encourage to build up uh, to point one another to jesus christ Uh, not flattery not deceitfulness not worldly wisdom but to encourage one another in the lord Um, lord we do pray that if there are any right now who feel like that or experiencing that diminished motivation wondering how they're going to face tomorrow uh, lord that you would Help them to talk about it and to open up to their friends and that they would encourage them and walk a road with them. And also that you, Holy Spirit, would do a work in their hearts, bring to remembrance the the truths, the promises. Help them to remember the gospel that Jesus Christ was truly forsaken so that we we can know that we will never be forsaken. So we ask all these things in your precious name.